And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! Is it a kingdom? Is it a pen? Is it a radio? I don't know. Can I just make more funny noises? Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? <laughs> Hello, turkeys. Welcome to Kingdom Pan Radio. Yay! It is 83 degrees outside with slightly overcast skies in Timbuktu. And today, we have a guest who has affected me on a very emotional level. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. He essentially wrote my childhood. Which, if you go back and read what I read when I was younger, that actually explains... A lot, come to think of it. That's just a teeny tiny bit creepy. Um, weird. Anyway, <laughs> we are talking comedy. We are talking outlining. We are talking about the relationship between theme and story. And I say we are talking, but mostly it's him because I spend the entire episode stuttering because I'm freaking nervous. <laughs> That's just kind of how it goes. I mean, what, what, what would you do if you were like, like when you, if you met your favorite author from when you were 10? I mean, it's it's the human thing to do, right? Right? Anyway, we got Bill Myers in studio. Welcome to Kingdom Pen Radio. So let me introduce myself. Do you know who I am? The average human male is about 60% water. As far as we're concerned, that's a little extravagant. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hey, I am nerding out here because I've got in studio with me today the author of The Incredible Worlds of Wally McDougal, McGee and Me, and most recently, The Jesus Experience and The Last Fool Trilogy, Bill Myers. Bill, how's it going? It's going good. How's it with you? It's pretty great, man. It's pretty great. I got I got to tell you, I told you before the interview, Wally McDougal was my childhood. I love that series. Wow, it's, well you're not you're not going to sue me for counseling or anything, are you? I hope not. Some other people might. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, um what got you started in writing comedy? Um I noticed with with McGee and me that the times I could teach the best without getting caught preaching were the times I could get you laughing. Mm -hmm. So after McGee and me, um, I tried to write a full-on comedy, and that's what the Wally McDougall series is. You know, it's still out there. I'm still getting mail. It's up to uh, two and a half million uh, books sold so far. Oh, my word. Yeah, and I just wrote it, you know, kind of as, as a lark. Uh, mm -hmm. but that was uh, 28 volumes ago, and uh, it, it just won't go away. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to bring it up, then. <laughs> you got to be tired of talking about it at this stage. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to be paying my mortgage with it, so keep up. <laughs> <up. laughs> 
That's true, and you, you've kept doing some comedy in, a, in other series, like this, uh, this Last Fool trilogy you got going on. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I had to... Um, Christian publishing is a little inside the box. Mm-hmm. I was getting a little, little frisky uh, <laughs> and, and wanted to do something that was... Um, you know, they're called novels because they're supposed to be novel. So I uh, uh, published uh, the Last Fool series. The first book is called Child's Play. I uh, published that myself, uh, along with the, the sequel, The Awkward Years, just because I knew no publisher would get near it. <laughs> you know, I've been hearing I've been hearing some of that. I talked with uh, Brian Davis the other day. Uh-huh. He, and he self-published one of his books because he didn't, and no Christian publisher would, would pick it up. Well, you know, it, it's, um, uh, I've never been uh, good friends with Christian publishers because they're always about 15 years behind uh, the trends. Really? And, and it's, it's, a little, it's a little frustrating. So, you know, there's always been this tension. They'll put up with me because the book sells. <laughs> <laughs> but that's about it. And it, well, even with Wally McDougall. Mm-hmm. Every single publisher, every single Christian publisher, turned it down, uh, except the last one. And they, you know, they they were these boneheaded <laughs> excuses like, "Well, boys don't read books." Really? Oh, gosh. What's out for boys to read? Well, nothing because they don't read books. I'm sorry. Do you see any circular logic? <laughs> so I, it's just like you know. I know they have to make a living, and God bless them. And I'll, I'll write. I'll write books that are a little more inside the box, like mm-hmm. the Jesus experience. Uh, but when it comes to just letting go and and, and, and writing what I want to write, uh, it's probably going to be more and more self-publishing. Really? Yeah. So do you do you prefer writing comedy? Do you like uh, or do you like more of the supernatural stuff? I've seen I've seen you do. Ah, uh, well, they're equally as exhausting. <laughs> When I write comedy, I'm dead dog tired, silly. Mm-hmm. When I write the, the supernatural stuff, I'm just tired. <laughs> so I guess I like the uh, the comedy better. Okay, that's really good. And you started writing uh, this this Harbinger series uh, with with Frank Peretti and a couple other people, right? Yeah, and again, the, the idea was the same. It's like we can't find a publisher that is. Um, See, we wanted to write short books. Uh, publishers say, no, 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 write big books so that they take up space on the bookshelf and people will buy them. And, you know, people don't have time always to read big books unless, you know, your last name is Tolkien. Yeah. So, uh, so we just wanted to write these 80-page, fast-read uh, supernatural thrillers. So, again, we've, we're self-publishing those. Uh, I think we're on book number... I did the first, Frank did the second, Al did three, four, excuse me, I'm just counting your five. I think we're on book seven right now in the series. And, okay. Uh, and it's kind of fun. There's four of us, uh, Angie Hunt, Al Gansky, Peretti, and myself. And uh, it was my idea, so I'm sort of the the cat herder, but boy, <laughs> they're, they're all... Uh, we've all independent thinkers and we're all very creative, so it is a little bit like herding cats. Well, yeah, what is the process like, uh, doing a collaborative novel with these, these people? Well, it's actually not a collaborative novel. They're friends, and we wanted to stay that way. Mm-hmm. So they're actually, each one is a separate novella, about 80 pages, 
kind of like a TV series. Okay. Uh, so it's the same characters, but the same characters in different uh, supernatural uh, situations. And what, what makes it even more fun is each one of us plays one of those characters. So whenever I write my episodes, I write them from my character's point of view. And I'm a, uh, a street hustler tattoo uh, artist. Uh, Peretti is a stuffy butt professor. Uh, so we all, and, and we're becoming very territorial about our characters. No, my character would never say that. <laughs> and, you know, well, my character just, you know, all she, it's actually a woman. She's a, she's a, a black a uh, woman who uh, grew up on the streets and is a tattoo artist. So I'm just having loads of fun with her. Oh, that sounds great. So do you brainstorm where the story goes, or do you each just independently go with what you want to do? Oh, we're, we uh, email a lot saying, now, wait a minute, you can't do that. Cause <laughs> I've done this. Uh, and we have a very rough idea where we're going. Mm -hmm. Idea is, you know, it's a little bit like, I don't know if you know much about jazz, but it's a little bit like jazz. We yeah. know the, we know the chords, uh, and then you know we go into a vamp as the next person steps up to the mic and does his solo. So it's uh, it's one long jazz piece. That is really cool. That's a cool way. I've never heard of anyone doing it that way. Well, I, I don't know if anybody has, and <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody ever will again. <laughs> but we're having fun with it. Mm hmm. That's that's really neat. Now you you do some nonfiction too. You do fiction and nonfiction. What what makes you decide what theme you're gonna take when you when you have a theme you want to do like the Jesus experience seems to be about uh, legalism and well, to some yeah. degree I haven't written a nonfiction in about uh, twenty years really okay yeah. I, I try to use I try to write in parables so that people are entertained enough to where they don't feel that you know they're having to sit through a sermon mm -hmm. but. Uh, in the case with the Jesus experience, I just didn't like where Christianity, uh, traditional Christianity, is going. I don't like. Uh, I don't think it's biblical. I think Jesus pretty much said, um, "Love everybody, and love me, and I'll take care of the details, and including you know straightening up people's lives." That doesn't mean I I embrace sin, but you know I'll let. I'll let the Lord take care of that. I may point it out, but I'm not going to. Anyway, long story short, what happened was over the years of ministry, uh, I started to become uh, more concerned about ministry than what Christ calls me to do, and that's fall in love more deeply with Christ. Mm -hmm. So about, um, oh, this journey started about five years ago, and the book comes out of my journey. Uh, I got a strong impression from the Lord, and that was, son, if I were to put you in a coma and you couldn't talk to anybody about me, you couldn't write about me, you could do nothing for me, would I be enough for you? Hmm. And I, uh, you know, answered boldly, hey, how about those Dodgers last night? Why didn't you? <laughs> you know? And, but he just kept coming, he wouldn't leave me alone. And I finally had to come clean and say, Lord, you know, I think I would die for you, but you would not be enough for me. Hmm. So for the next five years, I, what the Jesus experience is about is uh, going from some uh, evangelical, got to do these things person 
to falling more deeply in love with Christ, deeper than I thought was possible. And then the doing happens, but it happens as an overflow of that love relationship. So what I wanted to write with the Jesus experience was just uh, my experiences, and, and, and there's plenty of comedy in it because I tend to be a buffoon, <laughs> but, the, but my experiences of um, how to fall more deeply in love with God, and then the cool stuff that he does uh, behind my back mm -hmm. uh, as far as the good stuff that happens. You know, um, because before that, I, as much as I enjoy people, they, they were becoming projects. Oh, what's wrong with this person? Well, this is how I'll fix this person. Oh, this person hasn't heard the gospel. Well, I'll tell, well, bag that. You know, I, somehow the great commission became greater than the great commandment. The great commission is go out and tell the world about Jesus. Got it. But the great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And so somehow I got those two flipped around. So now all this business of Christian joy and love, it's no longer philosophy. It's no longer theory. It's like real. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus wasn't on a con job when he said that stuff, you know, that stuff is real. So suddenly Christianity is no longer a religion. Uh, it really is uh, hanging out with with God and having a good time with it. So, you know, one of those books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of those books. Man, that, that is cool. So you decided the reason you wrote that one nonfiction is because you had a story from your own life that you could you kind of tell oh, there. Yeah. Story after story after story <laughs> of, of uh, usually doing it wrong and then the Lord's just gentle correction and, and uh, you know, it, it's... I got to tell you, now... I love his presence more than I love ministry. Ministry happens. It happens even better now than it did before. But I'm 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 realizing he didn't need me to do anything. Yeah. You know, he has me for the same reason uh, I had my children. He didn't have me so that I'd mow the lawn and do the dishes and empty the. Ca he had me so that he could fellowship with me as a son or a daughter with his or her father. And as soon as I got that in my head, and as soon as he started changing me, it's just ministry became a, it wasn't so much about getting the ministry done as it was a, a father-son project, doing it together. So it's just it's just radically changed my life. And I, it, it was too much to say in, in a piece of fiction. So mm -hmm. I, just, uh, I just pulled my own, uh, stumbling around and used it instead yeah definitely now what's your that's your what's your writing process like on a weekly basis or on a daily basis what what is your process well it used to be um uh i'd get up in the morning hang out with the lord for about an hour uh kind of singing to him and just telling him how cool i think he is and reading the word and stuff uh and then I'd spend the first two hours rewriting what I thought was brilliant the day before, but was just this side of cow manure. Okay. <laughs> so I would try to fix that, and then I'd take a break, and then I'd write two hours of fresh material, usually about four pages, 
And then I'd take another break, the uh, uh, mandatory 20-minute power nap. And then uh, the last two-hour session, I'd rewrite what I thought I fixed the day before, but is still terrible. So I kind of leapfrog right like that. And then the next day, the same process again and again and again. So that um, usually it's about six hours. And most of it is rewriting, fixing hmm. what I thought had fixed, but 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 isn't. I think it was Hemingway that said, "There's no such thing as writing, only rewriting." <laughs> yeah. So I rewrite everything about seven times before it's fit for human consumption. So that's how it used to be. Now, now that we've started this film company and are beating the bushes looking for money for uh, for eat, for Wally, the very uh, kids project we were talking about, and for Another novel I have called Eli, trying to turn them into movies. Well, those puppies are expensive. So mm -hmm. now I spend, I spend about half the day uh, going to meetings and trying not to glaze over uh, as as different proposals are run past and and that and this and that. So right now, a lot of our focus is is raising money for Wally McDougal and for Eli. And Eli's kind of. Eli is a cool book. It's it's a retelling of the gospel mm -hmm. if it happened today instead of 2,000 years ago. So if it happened in America today. So, you know, Jesus is born in the back of a Motel 6 laundry room. Uh, he goes across the country in a in an RV with these blue-collar uh, bunglers. Uh, and it's the whole gospel, including his lynching in the Bible Belt and his resurrection from uh, a, a, a morgue in Atlanta. So we're busy uh, looking for money for uh, to turn that into a motion picture that that isn't just for the church, but that is really for the general market. Yeah, I've wanted to write something like that before, and I, I'm so glad to hear that someone's done it. <laughs> I'm going to have well, to pick that up. It's it's actually it's probably my most popular book. It's been out now for oh I don't know ten years maybe. Okay, and I still get. I still get emails from people that say, and some sometimes from pastors that say, "I've been a Christian my whole life, and now I finally get it." Hmm. So, uh, you know, what it does is it strips away all the religious varnish that we've coated Jesus up in over the centuries, and and makes him as real as he was the first time he was here. That's amazing. That is really legit. I hope these films go through. So you're collecting money right now to try to, to try put these into production? Yeah, we're looking for investors. Um, it, and that's, uh, you know, that's a long process. Mm -hmm. Should We should be required to give standing ovations before a movie's ever shown on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fact that, that, it, that it got made. That, that, is, that is, yeah. Yeah, I feel you there. And you've been in filmmaking for a long time. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, I think the first film I did was uh, like 1978 or something like that. Okay. So it, it wasn't a very good film, but it, it got me. <laughs> I, I feel you there. I, I dabble with film. I enjoy, enjoy the process. It's really fun. It is. It is. And, you know, I my agenda, and I never want to get caught, my agenda really is to draw people closer to the heart of Christ, but I don't want people to see that. I want people, you know, you don't pay $10 to hear a sermon. You pay no. $10 to be entertained. So that's that's always my agenda is to entertain. But underneath, 
uh, if, if somehow, even if the name of Jesus is not spoken, if I'm not drawing people closer to the heart of God, then uh, why bother? Mm-hmm. Now, do you do any outlining work when you uh, when you're getting ready to write? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that comes from the the script writing, the screenwriting uh, background. You know, you you can't uh, sell a 240 page script, so you know it has to come in between 110 and 120. So before I start a screenplay, I have every scene outlined, and I just carry that on over into the books too. So I can usually tell you uh, every scene in a book before I start. Okay. So do you do you just map out the scenes? Do you do character maps? How how in depth do you go with your outlines? Uh, well, I, I've spent usually weeks with the characters. Uh, for me, the first thing is to, as you see with child's play, mm-hmm. uh, is is to create a, a characters that are um, hopefully that you'll remember for a long time. The same thing with McGee or or even Wally. Uh, so I try to create characters, and that takes a while. Uh, you know, you usually throw out your first ten ideas because you've inadvertently stolen them from somebody else. <laughs> and um, so I so I I'm pretty pretty familiar with the characters, and then I sit down and just outline what the scenes will be, uh, and and that usually takes for a full on novel that usually takes me about a month. Okay. Um, to, to know what each scene's going to do, and uh, and then finally I get to the writing. Okay, so you spend a month outlining. How long do you generally take in the writing? Uh, four pages a day. Four pages a day. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Well, it yeah, it, it's um, some of my friends write a lot faster, but they don't do it every day. Mm. Uh, I was just uh. Going through my files, I think I'm up to 226 books that I've I've written in about two dozen screenplays, uh, and and none of them fast. But it's just like that old kids' riddle: How do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. Yeah, 200 206 books. Uh, 216. Yeah. Wow. And and. I, I don't know if you if you read much about my background, but I never wanted to be a writer. I've got some uh, communication problems in my brain. Uh, I got C's and D's as my one writing class in college, so it's it's been a real um, <laughs> it's been a real interesting journey. And every time I get full of myself, uh, all I have to do is look back at my incompetence mm-hmm. and know who to give the glory to. It's amazing what God can do with our incompetence. Yeah, it really is. You know, <laughs> people have different role models in the Bible, like you know Joseph or Paul or 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 Peter. Uh, my role model is uh, Balaam's uh, donkey. Because <laughs> I know if he can use a donkey, I'm in good company. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> could use a donkey. Surely he can use you somehow. Yeah. He can he can go one step just one step lower and work with me no problem yeah <laughs> I feel that way a lot of the times do you have any tips for writing comedy since you since you've done so much of it the key to com- yeah I, and I teach some classes too on that the the key to comedy is surprise uh, it's um there's actually uh, books yeah that, 
people think, oh, you're just naturally funny. No, it's like everything else. You learn how to do it. But you, the key to comedy is is surprise. Uh, you know, for me, the best comedy comes out of character. Uh, you see that with uh, with what? You see it with The Simpsons. Uh, you see it with um, other comedy shows that I won't mention because I'm not supposed to watch. <laughs> uh, it, it, but it is. It, it, usually the best comedy comes out of characters. Uh, so you try again. You develop characters that have limps and that are quirky. And uh, you get a lot of mileage out of that. You, you'll see in Child's Play, uh, almost all of the comedy comes out of these, uh, what are the characters? There's, um, it's, it's been a couple of years now since since I wrote even the sequel. Uh, but we have one character that sees 20 seconds into the future, uh, mm -hmm. but she doesn't know it. So, you know, she'll yell, look out! And people will go, what? What's your deal? You know, and then 20 seconds later, something happens. Or she'll, she'll yell, Uno, when they're playing Uno. <laughs> <laughs> And she's still got three cards in her hands. Another character, it all takes place in a, in a mental institution uh, mm -hmm. 50 years in the future. We have another character that is, uh, you know, that wears the shower cap and the, and the goggles and the bath towel uh, who wants to be a superhero character. Um, and then we have another person who has wonderful conversations uh, with people's tattoos. Yeah. Uh, so, so those type of characters get a lot of mileage with comedy with them. <laughs> so so you you really put the comedy emphasis on your characters yeah yeah and then you throw them in situations <laughs> and watch them try to survive <laughs> do the characters come alive for you do you do you have conversations with your characters you know not when i'm on the medication everything <laughs> no uh it's interesting my background is is in acting actually mm-hmm so it's, uh, yeah, I play the different characters uh, as I'm writing it. And you, you didn't, like you said a minute ago, you never wanted to, to write originally. You were going to be dentistry? Was that, was that oh, right? A respectable profession, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, at 18, made a promise to the Lord that I would always say yes to him, always, uh, as only an 18-year-old ego can do. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I, I went to see the fourth movie of my life. Uh, I grew up in the mountains of Washington State. Movies, TV, none of that interested me. Um, all my friends were lumberjacks and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, dairy farmers. So, um, but I went to see the fourth movie of my life uh, at the University of Washington as a freshman. I had seen Pollyanna. I had seen The Parent Trap. I had seen Pinocchio. And then I watched The Godfather. Ah. Uh. And the murder and the mayhem and the massacre and the blood spurting and my friends jumping to their feet shouting yeah do it again do it again so i walked out of that theater just numb yeah and I told the lord you know there is so much power in cinema what you need to do and thanks for asking what you need to do god is you need to to raise up people and and make those movie things and the more i told him what he had to do the more it kept bouncing back at me so uh, that's kind of how I got into all this. The books are actually kind of a consolation prize uh, mm. because I want to change culture. I want to change the world. I don't want to get caught doing it, but I want to do it. Uh, and, you know, not as many people read as, as watch TV and watch movies. Yeah. So, but because Hollywood has such a, a bigotry against faith, 
uh, particularly Jesus Christ, uh, after getting thrown out of every studio, uh, I figured there's a pattern here. <laughs> so, I, uh, so I turned my scripts into books. So the first several books of mine were uh, were screenplays. Really? Yeah. So I'm still writing movies when I write the books, and that you know I get emails from people that say, "Oh, it was like I was watching a movie." You think? <laughs> so it, it they're just movies on 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 the page. And you're looking at getting some of these produced. Is that kind of where you want to move from here? Yeah, yeah. We, we're getting tired of uh, Hollywood either says we want those real low-budget Christian movies that are only Christians will go and watch. Like God's or, Not Dead. Well, I'll let you say the names. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the ones that, anyway, the ones that only Christians will watch. Mm-hmm. So Hollywood either wants that uh, or nothing. And my stuff, as we've said, is pretty out of the box and pretty entertaining, uh, and, and they don't know what to do with it. So it, it, and yet they don't want to go full on and actually use the name Jesus if they, you know, God forbid they do that. Yeah. Unless, of course, a person is a real crazy nutcase, and then they'll do it. But <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's we'll find we'll find those investors. We'll find the investors that understand that. Uh, we want, you know what we want to do? We want to do the Sistine Chapel. We want to do the Piata. We want to do works of art, and they can be comedic as well, one way or the other, but we want to do works of art. The, the art is what draws the audience, not the message uh, or lack of message, but to be so drawn, like an Eli, to be so drawn to the character Eli, who's Jesus, that there's not even the feeling that they're being preached at because there isn't all we're doing is just holding up God or a God principle so high that people turn from the sewage they are eating mm-hmm. and well I I think I want that meal how do I get that meal and then you know what, what are, let people take over from there and and not many people look upon filmmaking like that they look at filmmaking either as a chance to do uh, Christian propaganda, yeah, or they look at it as a chance to just subtly say something about God and then move on, like like it's some sneaky little secret. Now, we're not interested in doing either, uh, mm-hmm. but because that hasn't been done before, uh, it's it's a little harder finding those investors. Yeah, I'm sick of the Christian propaganda. I'll be honest with you, I've. I keep looking for the films of artistic integrity to come out, and I don't see any of them. It's yeah. hard to find them. You know, I look at like Chariots of Fire, mm-hmm. or even way back uh, before you or I were born, uh, A Man for All Seasons. I look at those movies, or Beckett, and God is infused into the story, but you never feel that you're watching uh, a long Christian track. And we have a we have a web series uh, that's Eli the Younger Years, and it's a world just like ours, except Jesus hasn't come until 2015, and we pick him up as a sophomore in a public high school. Really? Now, what a cool web series would that be? Just a little five minute episode. You go onto the web uh, on the internet, and and you watch uh, five minutes of Jesus as a, as a 15 year old high school kid today. 
But you see, and I think those would really, really impact people. But finding the money is really, really the difficult thing. People that understand what we're doing, mm -hmm. uh, it, because it hasn't been done before. Where where all of you looked thus far? Where? Uh well, I mean, any any time somebody says they're interested in investing in movies, we're there. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we only if, if for any other reason for God just to shut us up it's like are you guys praying about that again okay, okay right. <laughs> but we'll find them the people that that, uh, that understand the power of the media mm -hmm. uh, so we'll, we'll find them but uh, it's, it's a long road yeah definitely do you have any other novels you're working on right now uh yes, just uh, doing. Even though episode number six or seven of Harbingers is out, you know you have to write ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. So I'm just finishing episode number nine. Okay, of, of Harbingers. So finishing that up. Um, <laughs> working on still back to this Eli project. I'm working on uh. A little novella of the nativity as if it happened today. Uh, oh, that's cool. Told from Joe's point of view. Joe just gets back from uh, overseas in the military and he discovers that his fiance is, uh, you know, eight months pregnant. Wait a minute, how that <laughs> happened? And oh, that's great. Just all of the, the um, difficulties Joseph must have had. Mm hmm when the preacher's daughter uh, is claiming that she's, uh, you know, pregnant from God. Mm -hmm. So uh, working on that and uh, again, ex not expecting publishers to embrace it because it's different. But again, it just strips away all that religious varnish that we've got Jesus coated up in. And it, it takes him off the Sunday school flannel graph board and puts him back in our face like the first time we met him. It's where he belongs. Well, that's where he wants to be, that's for sure. That's so cool. Hey, I, I made, I, I hate to talk about this, but I, I made a modern-day nativity short film here cool. about last year. I had a company that wanted a Christmas video for their, for their company, you know, and they didn't, they didn't like it <laughs> in the end. They didn't get it. Um, but I did like a modern-day nativity, yeah. And uh, Good for you. It, Good. It, was, it was a fun project, and it was, it was neat to try to bring it into the modern day and see see what it looks like when we when we take away you know the context we we're all used to yeah suddenly we're not talking about hallmark cards with mm -hmm. glitter and all the glory we're talking about f flea bites and animal manure and doubts and questions and oh it's it's you know and then when that stuff happens to us we go whoa this is different no it's not change <laughs> <laughs> We just don't have uh, people glossing it over and turning it into a beautiful painting. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is really cool. Do you have any advice for, for young writers who are trying to get started, who are trying to tell stories? Um, yeah. Right. Uh, every day, carve out some time to write. Uh, if it means coming home for a pretty worked at a ski factory by day and he wrote one page at night one page a day 
you just write and and you know people think oh if I could just um, be a full-time writer my life would be complete no that's not true as a full-time writer I wake up in the morning and I have to create and that's not always something I want to do as a part-time writer you get to write from your overflow you mm -hmm. get to write when you want to write so um, this business of I think only five percent of us make a full-time living as writers this business of wanting to be a professional writer and throw it all away throw and just go into writing I think is another movie myth yeah I, I think if a person wants to write uh, there are lots of opportunities now they're not lots of opportunities to make money at it <laughs> at least starting out but if you're a writer then write and you don't get to the Olympics by you know by ice skating on the weekends occasionally if you mm -hmm. want to be a, a figure skater in the Olympics you you train and you study and you work and you do it um, you know my first well Sigmund Brower, a contemporary of mine, I forget how many dozens of books he wrote before somebody finally took the chance to publish him. Uh, but you, uh, but the cool thing is now with uh, self-publishing is no longer a dirty word. Uh, gracious me, Preddy and Myers are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so you know you make sure you have an editor. Mm -hmm. Even 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 the best writers in the world need an editor. So make sure you have an editor that knows what they're doing and goes through it and says, no, nah, you're weak here. This You need to do that. But uh, you just do it. You just do it. And uh, you look for openings, of course. You do your blogs if you want to do that. Uh, and then you self-publish. But if you want to write, write. Well, hey, I really appreciate you being on the show, Bill. This has been really great. I, I told you I'd take 45 minutes of your time. We're coming to the close. <laughs> Stuff. So you're on Facebook. Yeah, I am. Um, I think it's uh, Bill Myers author is. Uh, don't go to my personal page because I never go there. Okay. Uh, but the the Bill Myers author page is on the Facebook, and of course uh, there's my website. And I, I really actually try to answer all my email, uh, and the website is BillMyers.com. Okay. And I think that's about it, unless of course you have. Uh, thousands of dollars you'd like to donate or not donate <laughs> invest in a, in a motion picture <laughs> and then i'll fly out and have coffee with you <laughs> well i appreciate you coming here i don't have thousands of dollars to give you but i appreciate you coming and giving some advice and telling your story oh you're certainly welcome and you gave me a good excuse not to write so i appreciate <laughs> that's true <laughs> People say, what's the hardest part about writing? Writing. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, hey, thank you so much again. And I'll, I'll post links to all your stuff so people can find you. I look forward to reading more of your stuff. I really do. And I hope that these films go to fruition. Okay. Well, you know, keep in touch, too, because um, I have a suspicion that as you keep chipping away, uh, things will be opening up for you. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you later. Kingdom Pen Radio. <sighs> Have you ever been so nervous that you totally forgot to take a midsection break and an advertiser break 
and you totally forgot to ask your guest if he'd like to do a book giveaway, yeah, I relate to you. I understand your pain. I feel you on a deep, emotional plane. But that's okay, because you can still pick up some free Bill Meyer stuff. How can you do that? Allow me to tell you. It's a little thing called audible.com. I've been spouting about it for several episodes now because they have a free trial. Do you know what you can do with this free trial? You can get free audiobooks, of course. That's what one does. You go on, you can grab Bill Meyer's stuff right there on audible.com, the audiobook format. It can be yours, all yours for free. And each and every one of you could potentially do that. It's free stuff for all of you. Think about that. It's a pretty great deal. If you do decide to do that, if you do, yes, that, if you do that, <laughs> how many times am I going to say that? If you do that, please use the link that we provide because that's the only way that that helps us pay off the fees that go along with podcasting because turns out I learned last minute that podcasting isn't free. Anyway, <laughs> that, that, was, that was a rude wake-up call. Um, next week, we have... A, I'm trying to remember who next week's guest is. I'm pretty sure his name starts with Ebola, but I'm not. Don't quote me on that because I'm just pretty sure that's a thing. If you enjoy hearing from Bill Myers, if you liked Bill, go tell Bill you like Bill. Tell him on the social medias. Tell him on the websites. Tell him on all the places. Tell Bill that you liked Bill. Tell him that from me, from you, from you. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense. You can hit me up on all the social medias, your Facebooks, your Twitters, your Goodreads, you name it, I'm there. Except for, you know, the ones that really matter, like Instagram and stuff. I'm not on those. I think Kingdom Pen is now, though, so you can check that out. That's pretty crack right? Yeah, right. Also, I'm on the Kingdom Pen Forum. You can find me there on the Kingdom Pen Forum. You can tell me how much you hate this episode right there. Isn't that convenient? Also, the comment section. Love you comment section people. You people are crack a I like you people. High five to all the comment section people. I'll see you around. Anyway, yeah, that about does it for me. You enjoy your Monday or whatever day of the week it is that you're listening to it on. But mostly Monday people because you listen to it first. So I love you more.